0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. We appreciate and we always want the complete package, right? When we look even at leadership, we want leaders that have the right ideas and convictions, but also ones that have skills to communicate those ideas and conviction. If you're a baseball fan, you want your team to have a lot of five-tool players, guys that can do everything that's involved in the sport. And if you're buying a new toy for your kids, you want the batteries included, right? You want the complete Package. Well, today we see a very important passage in the book of Hebrews that reminds us that Jesus is a complete Savior. There is nothing lacking in what He has done, there is nothing lacking in Him, and that should make a big difference in our mindset today. We see this in Hebrews chapter 7, where Uh, We see this figure brought up repeatedly and Jesus compared to Melchizedek. Now, to understand Melchizedek, you need to go back to Genesis 14. You need to go back to uh, Psalm 110 to see where he is referenced. Uh, Historically, he is this figure whom uh, Abraham meets with after Abraham rescues Lot. And as it says here, Abraham, he gives him a tenth part of Abraham. Everything and his name, Melchizedek, literally means king of righteousness, and he's called King of Salem. And Salem, that's the word for peace, so he is the king of righteousness and the king of peace. Now, who is this Melchizedek? Because he's only mentioned in the context of biblical history that one time there in Genesis. so who is he? And some people even say he, well, he's a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And they even look at the beginning of verse three of Hebrew seven to make that point. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. So look, there it is. He he didn't die. He wasn't born. Uh, But then, I want to point you to the end of verse three, because I think that's what's going to help us understand he is resembling the son of God. Uh, so I don't think he is the son of God. I don't think he is the pre-incarnate Christ. He resembles the son of God. And I think that helps us understand the beginning of the verse, which I don't think is saying that Melchizedek was never born or never died, is making the point we don't know anything about that. Even the beginning, uh, it could be understood to mean he's without father or mother in the genealogies. There is no genealogy. We don't know who his father was. We don't know who his mother was, uh, but he resembles the son of God. How so? Well, then it goes on to compare him to the Levites. The Levites were the priests uh, throughout uh, biblical history. Once the nation of Israel gets started and they're priesthood is hereditary it is passed on because of who their father and mother were but here we see no this is a different kind of priesthood it's a greater priesthood. Because Abraham, who's the father ultimately through generations of Levi and all his descendants, if he is paying tribute to this man, this kind of priesthood must be greater than the Levitical priesthood. Now, some of this I think can be very hard for us to grapple with um, because we don't really have a big concept for the Levitical priesthood in our minds, remember this is the book of Hebrews, and it's called that because we don't know who wrote it, but it's clear it was written to Jewish people grappling with uh, what does the gospel mean for them, and especially all the all Jewish traditions and sacrifices and priests and all of these things. And so it's hard, maybe for you and I as 21st century Western readers, to really get into some of this because we've never really thought that deeply. Most of us about the Levitical priesthood, and we've never gone to offer a sacrifice with those priests. We haven't lived our lives. Under that, so, so what does this all mean for us? And that's where, as we go through this uh, passage, it, it comes really to uh, the point in verse 25. Uh, but let's start in verse 23 or even 22. It reminds us, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues for forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them." So there, just consider that he is able to save to the uttermost. And that word has a couple ideas, and I don't think the meaning is necessarily limited to one of them, has the idea of saving completely, also has the idea of saving forever. Jesus Christ is enough to save you completely and to save you forever if you draw near to God uh, through him by faith. And he is not like an earthly high priest that has to offer sacrifice for his own sins as it goes on to to say, no, he is perfect and he is perfect forever. So a lot of this that might be hard for us to relate to leads to this punchline that Jesus is the complete package as a savior. He is the perfect high priest and even another thing that's unique that I think the figure of Melchizedek brings in is he is, Jesus is a king priest. With, with the Levites, no, they were not kings. Um, and the kings that we see, they were not priests, uh, but Jesus is a perfect savior. He is the king priest and he is able to save you completely and forever. Now, if you can't relate to the Levitical priesthood stuff, that's a statement that Jesus Christ can save us completely and forever is something we need to get our heads around today. We need to understand that he is our savior and he can save us completely and he will save us forever. Uh, Do you believe that today? And that should start with our salvation, do you trust that your works are insufficient, but the work of Christ is incredibly sufficient? Have you come to see that? But also that, that salvation uh, really uh, extends through all of our lives and, and doesn't just refer to one moment, but even salvation often refers to what is to come, that he will save us forever, that we will be with him forever. Uh, do you trust that? Are your eyes fixed on that today? Or are you going through trials today? Do you believe that God can deliver you from those? And do you trust him enough that ultimately he will deliver you from every trial? Again, often that won't happen on our timetable according to our wishes, but he is the complete package. And so... um, Hebrews chapter seven can be difficult because we don't relate to the Levitical priesthood and, and Melchizedek. Uh, that, that's something where it's like, hey, where's my study Bible? What is going on here? But I hope that we see how it all points to that idea of Jesus being a complete and perfect Savior. And I hope that that impacts the way you think today. That Jesus is enough to save you from your sins, that he is enough to, to save you in the midst of whatever you're going through today. And he is the one who will save you forever. I hope you are built up and encouraged by Hebrews chapter 7 today. Let's go back to the Old Testament. This is not going to be as encouraging just to be up front with you and get ready for a lot of frustration. I've been trying to prepare you. Jeremiah can be a frustrating book because you know Jeremiah is a prophet. Listen to Jeremiah. But repeatedly throughout the book, you're going to see people, nope, we're not going to listen to Jeremiah. We see him warn King Zedekiah, we see him imprisoned. We see him cast into a cistern. So we're seeing him mistreated, even though he is telling the truth. We see him um, lied about. The people are accusing him of deserting to the Babylonians, which certainly was not the case. And then finally, we do see the fall of Jerusalem, even though Jeremiah warned the king, hey, if you surrender, in chapter 38, if you surrender, your life will be spared and this city shall not be burned with fire and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender, uh, bad things are going to happen, right? And, and it will be burned and this is not going to go well. And Zedekiah, he, this sheds some light here. He says to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Judeans who have deserted to the Chaldeans, lest I be handed over to them and they deal cruelly With me. So, there, the reason he didn't listen to Jeremiah is because he was afraid. And that's where we see something that should connect with our own lives. Why do we sometimes neglect what God has clearly told us? We do that because we're afraid. We're afraid of something else instead of really fearing the Lord and trusting in what he has to say. And so we see the end of the story. Jerusalem is destroyed. Zedekiah does not listen. His children are slaughtered in front of his own eyes. His sons are. And then he his eyes are put out. So the last thing he sees with his eyes is the death of his sons and the death of the nobles of Judah. So what a sad ending. And so that should be a a lesson to us that neglecting to listen to God does not end well. And we need to beware that one of the main reasons we don't listen to God sometimes is fear. So we need to trust him. And again, I hope your trust is built as we see the complete Savior, the complete package, Jesus Christ, who is able to save to the uttermost